Hello, and welcome to the Bite Size Nutrition Podcast. I'm Jillian, and welcome to another episode where this episode spans the range from talking about everything from how to feel more comfortable in your body to how to trust yourself making decisions around food to how to feel more at home in your life, how to overcome the challenge of feeling like my body is changing and I don't know what to do about it, how to recenter and and truly understand how to approach eating from a place of alignment with your values. And Josh and I dig into both the science side and also the practical application side of what it looks like to build eating skills that truly support you for the long term. So this is a conversation that you may want to listen to two or three times and take notes. If you are a coach, get ready because there is going to be so much that is going to help you with your clients in this conversation. I do want to remind you if you are an individual and you would like some specific tips to work on building mindful eating skills, you can download my mindful eating cheat sheet in the link in the show notes. If you are a coach and you would like support to bridge the gap between a macros-based approach and mindful eating or values-based decision making, please get in touch with me via Instagram. You can just DM me mastermind and we can talk about what that can look like for you. And with that, Please enjoy this episode with Josh Hillis, nutritionist, psychologist, psychology student to be more exact, and honestly, one of the coolest conversations I've had on this podcast so far. I am sitting here with someone that is in the same sort of like underground nutrition coach network (laughs) that I am in somehow. I apparently am cool enough to be in it because this guy is really, really cool. And I'm so excited to talk to him because he manages to articulate concepts that are very similar to the way that I see things, but he does it in a way that is just so like, bam, this should be on a billboard. I'm going to introduce you to Josh Hillis. Well, actually, I'm going to have Josh introduce himself. Hey, I'm I'm Josh. You are a a nutrition coach who talks a lot about core values. People that listen to this podcast know that I talk a ton about core values. And that's one of the things that drew me to you in the first place. But I'd love to hear like how you got there. It's kind of a weird, long roundabout journey. Um, the turning point for me was having, um, there was a point back in the day where I was working in gym and a lot of the clients I got were like pretty type A and like, like fairly like diet successful, really like semi-athlete, like, like fitness people. But then I'd get people that were normal. And they would like struggle with, with all, all the diet, the diet rule. They would like chafe against the diet rules. Like, like most of us do or um, emotional eating or stress eating or, or any of those things. And I, I just like kept, I kept seeing like my colleagues, like dump those people. And, you know, I was like not having enough willpower, not, you know, and, and I kept seeing like, I need to be able to help these people. And I needed, I like, I, I just knew I needed more tools. I just like knew I needed more tools, knew I needed more tools, knew I needed more tools. I had a friend, uh, Stephen Ledbetter, Coach Stevo, who got me into. He, he's like, he's like a lot of things that you're talking about sound a lot like self determination theory, and I'm like, what's that? And so I started reading, and I was like, there's research on this. There's people that have like figured all this stuff out for me. And that's when I started studying psychology. That's what got me going. Well, that was part of what got me going back to school for psychology. Eventually, like the more I started looking into like behavioral weight loss research, I started running into um, studies where like 
act was where um, acceptance-based or contextual veil of science-based methods were like beating, like changing your thoughts or like, you know, kinds of things. And, and, and so between this like self-determination theory thing, this like contextual behavioral science thing, I ran into, I just like kept running into values, right? Like self-determination theory is all for the people listening at home. It's, it's all about, um, internal versus external motivation and what kind of motivation to pull for where there's higher well-being and um and it's more durable and it turns out that's your values right like like values are way better than um guilt or contingent self-esteem and they're way better than reward and punishment and then on the other hand you've got contextual behavioral science where you're like how do you change behavior how do you create behavioral interventions that work when when people struggle with like um like in really difficult situations like stress or tiredness or or high emotion and um and in in that situation also where you want to pull from is um is internal motivation like values so there's sort of like the convergence of all the psychology things that i was looking at were going the same way because i wanted to help out more people than everyone else does that that make sense that was it, a... it, it 100 does and where i go with this and you are more than welcome to not answer this question is i'd love to understand your personal relationship with food because i think that most yeah. of us part of the reason that we do what we do is because we wanted to be able to help ourselves in some way. I'd love to hear kind of like you, whatever you're willing to share, like, yeah. how do you fall into all of this? The times in my life where I've been under the most stress, I've, I've done a fair amount of emotional eating. Right. Um, but when I'm not under a lot of stress, uh, so <laughs> there, there are two ways I go under stress. There's, um, there's emotional eating stress, Josh. And then there's like, um, my probably stronger tendency is actually like to be a workaholic. Like when things are bad, I'm like, I'm just going to work. I'm going to work really hard and make everything better and like get a lot of praise and, and things, you know, and I will work through meals. Right. Um, working actually like really suppresses my appetite on both ends. I can like, I can fall into both ends of like, of like missing meals and missing meals than just being like, like, like a starving mess or like emotionally eating to kind of, kind of chill out what's going on. In both cases, I've got some, um, I've got some digestive issues. If I don't notice one full and stop, I'm probably going to have some acid reflux, maybe some stomach, stomach pain. Like if I don't pay some attention, uh, it actually like hurts my quality of life. As you were talking, kind of two things came to my mind that I think are such key skills that both of us probably work on with our clients. And that is interoception and self-regulation. Because yeah. it sounds like in those situations, like often we'll hear, oh, this guy is like on two different ends of the spectrum when things happen to him, but really, and this is where we can draw so many commonalities between like different ends of the spectrum, because a lot of who I work with is individuals that either have no idea what's going on in nutrition and they need to bring some structure in or individuals that are so structured that they don't know how to be flexible anymore. And in yeah. both cases, like we're working on very similar things. It's just yeah. slightly different education. And, yeah. and what you said there is like brought to my mind that like, well, no matter which Josh you're being, if you're able to practice interoception, which yeah. we can talk about in a second, and you're able to practice self-regulation, like that Josh probably feels a lot better. Yeah, it, it it actually handles either side. It's it's two sides the same coin. Like it it's it's almost like overeating and like working through eating are both on the side of like not not paying attention. They're, and, they're in, in fact they're both on the side of, of like pretty heavy avoidance. 
right? Yes. Like, like I'm deli- I like I'm deliberately doing something to distract myself. Yes, exactly. Right? De- deliberate's probably the wrong word. I am. <laughs> I have a strong pull to do something. <laughs> it's it's like because it's not a choice. If I if I if I notice, I can step back and make an actual choice. And that's mm-hmm. not the choice I would make, right? Exactly. And I think there, that's what like brings in the like self-regulation piece. And so like, if you were to coach yourself, because I think there's a lot of people listening that are like, oh yeah, sometimes when I'm really stressed out, I just like don't eat at all. And then those are the people that we see that like get to the end of the day. And they're like, why did I just eat the entire tub of ice cream? It's like, well, you haven't eaten anything all day. Like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Or on the other side, it's like the person that, and this used to be me would be like, as soon as something difficult came up at work. And like, oh, I want to avoid this. And I would gravitate to the kitchen over and over again. Yeah. How do we get those two sides of the coin into the middle? Which I think would be really helpful yeah. for people to understand. So it's funny because I've been thinking this like, okay, so this is something I've been thinking a lot about lately where I used to think about, I used to think about like those being opposite sides and let, that we were trying to get to the middle. And now, now I really think that those are both on the same side. Mm. And that like, that like values-based choices are like the other side. Cause it's like, it's like one side's paying attention and the other side's mindless. Yeah. And so they're like, they're, they're opposite reactions Mm -hmm. to like, like they're, they're opposite ways of distraction. Right. Mm -hmm. But they're both distraction. They're both avoidance. They're both distraction. They're both like, they're, they're both not a mindful choice. Right. Yeah. So the, the games we're playing are we need to one uh like if we want to make values-based choices we have to have some idea what our values are two we need to get really mindful about what's going on in those situations and be able to like like instead of just letting them happen automatically we need to notice a name and we need to be willing to feel and um and create some some like be able to do some perspective taking around those like thoughts and feelings such that we've got the room to actually like care about our values and look at our values and and figure out which direction is the values-based choice we could get so deep into it because like you said self-determination theory my eyes lit up and then and you explained that really well which like understanding that like we have different motivations for things and it can be easy a great way that i like to frame understanding this is like we can be externally motivated to want to lose weight, for example. We can also yeah. be intrinsically motivated to lose weight. But we want to also understand is like, what is driving those motivations? And I think this is where we would both talk about, well, this is where your values lie. Because we also want to understand that like, if you are desiring internally to lose weight, but really what you want is a sense of connection, is there another way for you to look for that connection yeah. without treating yeah. your body like shit? Because that's often what we do. And even if you are working towards a fat loss goal, can you build connection alongside that? Because we know, like both of us are very clear on this. And like, I've been through my own journey with this is like, even having the perfect body does not guarantee you acceptance, confidence, self-worth, none of that stuff. Which is often shocking for people the first time they hit their their goal. Like, it's funny because before I had clients do values work, Going, going back to that, going back to that gym I used to work in, I had a lot, lot, lot of clients hit their goals and be like, kind of, they would be really stoked for a week. And then they would, and then there would be this sort of like weird space where they're like, that didn't do what I thought it would do. Right. Like it didn't do any of the things they they thought it would do. And then what do you do? Do you, do you set a, do you set a new lower goal? Right. Like they're like, well, that didn't work. Let's do more. 
that's kind of where I had gotten stuck personally was like, I had gotten to this point where I was like, cool, I can see my abs. They look really fit. Well, now what? And I just started, I just started getting on the scale every morning, like looking for a lower number. And then yeah. eventually I, this was actually my turning point was I learned about the concepts of core values. And I was like, oh my God, yeah. I am not acting in accordance with my values. Like ever. I was like skipping dinners with friends because I was worried about overeating. I would be invited to these like really fun events. And, and I thought I had social anxiety and it turned out I was just too fixated on food. Yeah. Okay. So check this out. You're talking about connection, right? Yeah. The fittest I ever was didn't get me as much connection as getting really present with people, right? One, oh, 100%. <laughs> and so just, just when, when you said like, like you're so fixated on food, right? Like you can't, you can't be present with people, right? No, you can't, you really, really can't. And I think here is like, and this is something I think you do so well looking at your content is like, talk about understanding how your values truly apply to like different situations with food. Yeah. We should totally talk about that. Even, even people that should, that are like into values and research them, like still don't explain this well. Values are really, a really like concrete thing that we can use to make decisions, right? Actually, I, I should be really clear. There are a lot of different things that people could, um, there are a lot of different ways people could define values, right? And so with clients, first thing we have to do is say like, here's the here's the way that we're using values from this like specific contextual behavioral, stand, uh, behavioral science perspective so that they're useful in what we're doing here. Like you might talk about values totally different ways other places, but here, uh, like with food, we want to talk about values in terms of like a way of being or like a character strength. So um, could be like, like you were saying like connected or wise or compassionate or um, adventurous or playful or conscientious. Um, but we, we take those things and then we actually use them for decision-making in a moment. Is it wise to have this or is it wise to have that? And, you know, like, like the example of like, um, if your kids bake you chocolate chip cookies, it's probably like wise and connected to have the chocolate chip cookies with them. If you're super stressed out because your boss just yelled at you, maybe it's not wise to have the cookies right then because clearly like the cookies aren't what you, what you really need. You know, it, it's not that cookies would be the worst option, but there might be other options that are wiser, right? Like maybe going for a walk or maybe calling a friend or, or what, what, whatever. But like those those are those are really clear. Um, it's it's really clear that even that like instead of having a rule about cookies, you you could look at like it's wise to have cookies in this situation. It's not wise to have cookies in this other situation. And you can do that with everything. You can do that with um, you know not not that it's always social, but like you know the um, slices of pizza you have with your with your friend, you know might might feel really wise and connected. Where like smashing a whole pizza one night you know when you're like super um tired or or stressed out like might not be you know so yeah. we're using it to actually make a decision so as you were speaking I, I was thinking about my the group program that I run is really based around like how do we start making values-based decisions and using the skills yeah. of mindful eating unconditional permission to eat and self-compassion to do that and yeah. one of the examples that came up in my group program was around peace and actually two of the participants, one of their core values was peace. And so we use yeah. this in, as an example, as we were talking about this in one of our first calls, and we came up with the fact that 
a lot of the time, one of these individuals ends up snacking a lot later in the day because she doesn't feel peace in her day. So we actually looked at like, how do we bring more peace into your day so that you feel more peaceful around food? And that was really powerful for her because she was someone that realized she was like, I don't ever sit and just eat. And that is an opportunity for me to bring peace into my life. And that I think was a really powerful example because you're right. I think so many of them fall around connection and, and understanding that like part of that is also connection to yourself. And I think that when we talk about like core values is sort of like this overarching tool that you can use, but then we see that there's like other little mini skills that go into it that you, that can really, really help you to like practice this on a regular basis. And something you mentioned earlier in our conversation that I want to make sure to bring in that something that my clients are like going to probably roll my eyes at me now. Cause like, I will not shut up about like mindfulness and values-based decision-making. Yeah. And, and you talked about like in the situation with yourself, but also in some of the situation, like the other eating situations we've talked about, like the power of actually being able to bring awareness to what you're doing. And we know that that requires mindfulness. Really a, a big part of what we're doing is, is we're learning to take a step back and look at like, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What are my bodily sensations? And and what um you know what what do I feel an impulse to do right now? Can I notice those things? Can I can I name them? You know, it's um it's it's great to be able to look at like what's going on in my body, like what's going on in my stomach. You know, do I feel an empty hollow feeling? Is it something else? Do I feel like tightness in my shoulders? Do I feel tired? Do I feel energized? Do I feel wired? You know, like like what's going on in my body and. And um, do I have any feelings I can put some words around? So this is what you're talking about. And I think a lot of the time we think of mindfulness as something that you need to like sit on a pillow and do, or like listen to like a podcast app or not a podcast episode. um, What are those? Like like a mindfulness app? Yeah. Yeah. But what you just said is like asking yourself that question of like, what are my thoughts? What are my feelings? What's going on in my body? Like that is mindfulness. And so I, I, want to make sure that we illustrate that because as much as like, if someone can take one thing away from this conversation, I think that like mindfulness is the precursor to being able to check in with your values. Like you have to give yeah. yourself that space yes. to be yeah. present and say, I have a choice here. And I, and I just had a conversation with a client this morning who were working with her around she, so she's recovered from an eating disorder and she is working now on bringing some structure into her nutrition and starting yeah. to feel what we're really digging into right now is unconditional permission to eat. Feeling like she has a choice at any moment to say, I will eat, I will not eat, I will start eating, I will stop eating, I will eat this, I will eat that. Because that is a choice that for a very long time, she didn't believe that she had. Yeah. And what we're noticing is that the challenging part is actually finding that space to ask, what is the choice I would like to make? And that space is mindfulness. Yeah. I, um, one of the, one of the guidelines that I have, so there's, there, there are two things that that we do in the program that I run. Um, like we have, we have skills and, and skills for checking in and we have guidelines, which are like, kind of like more structured, um, ways of, uh, a lot, a lot of times there's things that just slow us down. Right. So like one of the guidelines is like pausing 10 minutes before snacking. And there's nothing magical about, about, you know, like it, it's, it's not a rule, but like that gives us time to like that, that puts a, a gap in between like the wanting and the choosing. And in that gap, people can check in. Like that gives us time to like do like a mindful check-in. And um, 
And then as people get better at it, they actually reduce the amount of time. So like they can reduce that to a minute, they can reduce that to 10 seconds, they can reduce that to a second, right? Yeah, that's so powerful. And it, it brought up, as you were talking about this, because I think that a lot of this stuff is also like, we would be remiss if we don't mention how much of this stuff comes from like childhood conditioning, right? Oh, and yeah. like, we, yeah. like, I am not a licensed psychologist. I You mentioned you were in school for psychology. And so like a, a, a lot student. of thing is like focusing on present and future. But I think even if we're focusing on present and future, we have to recognize that like present also comes from past. And yeah. one of the things that I know that you talk about is the clean plate club. And this is, I think- uh, especially for millennials. I don't know how old you are, but like, I, I'm sure you're a millennial as well. And for millennials, I feel like it's like all of us were told you have to finish your plate because they're starving kids in like insert country. Yeah. Here. Yeah. And so now yeah. all of us are like walking around with this like horrible guilt about <laughs> food waste. Yeah. And, and especially like I, I work with some moms, but even individuals that I work with that don't have kids, like they'll find, you know, they'll like clean, you know, their friend doesn't finish the plate. They're like, oh, I'll finish it off with moms. Yeah. It's like really strong as well. So yeah. let's talk about that. Like, how do we work through childhood patterns? Wow. Mm. That's a really big question that I just asked you. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so, so first off, I'm going to give some like snappy solutions, um, and I just want everyone at home listening to know that like these usually take months, you know, uh, I, I know, I know sometimes I'll talk about, talk about like mindfulness tools and like cognitive fusion tools. People are like, oh man, I, I heard that I should be able to like run out and apply it. These are all skills and, and it's, it's like learning to drive or, or learning to play, you know, like it, it's not, it's not, it's not instant. Right. So, but it really comes down to, um, the, the kinds of mindfulness tools we were talking about before. And, and so, sometimes I'll use the, the, the technical name cognitive diffusion from uh, uh, contextual behavioral science, which is this like, like really specific kind of mindfulness where you're like, I'm going to use mindfulness to separate my thoughts and feelings from my actions. You take something like Clean Play Club, the thoughts that you have about that and even like the feelings, maybe even like the bodily sensations around it aren't gonna go away anytime soon. Right. Like, let's say you're going to, let's say you're going to work on this and have these thoughts and feelings still come up for the next three years. Right. We need to learn how to make, um, make new decisions, like take new actions, even in the presence of those thoughts. So you're at the end of your meal and you're, you check in, and you go like, you know what? I'm like, I'm full. Like I'm actually full. Like this was actually good, but there's like five bites left on the plate. And I can, and I've got all these thoughts around like clean plate club and wasting food. And if I even think about like throwing this away, like I, I, like, I get this, like, like tightness in my body, being able to notice and actually be willing to feel those things is, is the way out being willing to say like, you know what, I can have these clean plate, clean plate club thoughts. And, um, still choose what actually fits my values, which is to stop eating when I'm full. And, you know, maybe you can look at like, okay, okay I'm going to box that up or I'm going to throw that away. Like, like we, we can look at what the actual, what the actual choice is, but we get to have a choice inside of being willing to have those thoughts without acting on them, being able to notice and go like, that's a thought that I have from when I was a kid. You, I mean, maybe you can talk yourself through like, you know, it might not apply now, or maybe you just go like, you know what? That's the thought that I had from when I was a kid. I've got a lot of thoughts that I, I have from when I was a kid that I'm not necessarily going to act on now. And then 
the feelings that come up around that, it's going to feel really uncomfortable. You might feel super guilty. Can like, can I sit, can, can I actually sit with that guilt for a few minutes? Can I let that guilt just be there? I think the skill of sitting with discomfort and knowing that it will pass is probably one of the most useful life skills yeah. that I've ever learned. Yeah. And this is as someone that Same. is like on the ADHD spectrum, very impulsive, very fast mover and learning that I can sit with something uncomfortable and it yeah. will like ebb and flow. And then being able to expand that and not just in eating into the rest of my life has been really powerful. And I've seen how it works with clients where even just learning that like, oh, on the other side of this, this thing isn't there anymore. Like I, I had yeah. a, a conversation with a client the other day who was like, well, when I'm anxious, I go directly for sugar. And I was like, yeah. okay, cool. Let's talk about some situations in which that's happened and why you think it's happening. She's like, well, actually the other day, I realized that like I wanted sugar, but then I got distracted, like making my bed. And then the desire just went away. Yeah. I was like, okay, so you can repeat that on your own. And let's talk about how you're going to do that. One of the things that I think in our little like underground corner of social media, it <laughs> looks like is changing a lot yeah. is that more and more coaches are realizing the value of these mental skills when it comes to approaching nutrition. However, I think there's still a lot that unfortunately, I don't want to say is being gotten wrong because I think that that's really unfair, but I think there's a lot that like, we still need to learn in the fitness industry. And I would love to know, because obviously you have a different perspective. You live in a different part of the world. You probably have a different network than me. Like, what do you still see is not making sense to you in fitness, wellness, nutrition? There's, there's, there's two sides of that. Um, they're, they're the people that are just like militantly like willpower is everything and I've got it. So I'm better than you. Mm. Like, like there's, there's those kinds of like ridiculous assholes. And then there's also like, and then like the flip side is there are people who are like, I've made a career out of working with this one type of, with this one population that actually does well with my system. Mm. And I think that's okay if they're honest about it, you know, like the, there, there are people who work mostly with athletes or, or, um, or with the like optimization crowd or um, work with people who are mostly already successful with eating choices and um, want to spend a lot of money to, to get that like last 1%. Mm -hmm. I think that's actually fine. If if we're really clear that they're like, hey, you know what? I've got the system that's really good for like seven percent of the population. If they just say, like, if they just say that, I think that's great. I think that's great. I think you can have a great like. The, the flip side is that seven percent of the population that's going to do well with any kind of food program, also like likes to spend a lot of money on it. Like someone can have a really great career working with the the biohacking crew. So if, if they're just like specialized in that, that I think is fine. Um, it's when they're like, no, this like should work for everyone. When they're, when they're, they're actually pulling in people who aren't like the other 93% of people who aren't going to do, and I'm making up these stats, right? Like the, I've, I've tried so hard to track down like the actual statistics on what percentage of people can do all diets. I think it's like 15% or less. It, it's hard Did to Did you tell. say 50 or 15? F 15. 
Okay. I just want to be clear because there's a big difference. Yeah. Between those yeah. Like, one, 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 five. Um, yeah. The, the problem is that there's like 85% of the people or however many that, um, that aren't, that like can't do well with that system that don't know that it's not for them, that it's for this like specialized hobbyist crew that like probably didn't grow up with clean plate club and probably, you know, like th there are people that grew up and their parents were just like, eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full. And like, everything's easy. Yeah. Right. Cause like, there's nothing to unlearn. So you hit on a couple of things that are really, really important that I think it's like that question of, is it on the consumer or is it on the person that's putting out this content? Cause you're right. Right. It's right. It's, there's, yeah. there's individuals out there that are like, look, I do bodybuilding meal plans. And if someone that's not a bodybuilder wants a bodybuilding meal plan, they'll probably give it to them. Right. Yeah. That's probably the wrong person to buy that thing. But like that, where does that fall? Like, does that fall on the yeah. consumer or not? And I think where, where it's really challenging is like, as a consumer, like how responsible are you for knowing that like this diet isn't going to work for me and how right. responsible is the practitioner for being like, Hey, you know, I, and this is a conversation. So I've been, I've been doing a mastermind with some coaches that are working on learning like values-based decision-making mindful eating and incorporating some of that into their, um, into their coaching. And we've been having some yeah. really interesting conversations around who should be tracking macros and who should not be tracking macros. Oh yeah. 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 And yeah. I find that to be like a completely fascinating conversation because yeah. like many individuals in this space, I started out with a lot of my clients tracking macros and now yeah. pretty much none of my clients. Track yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and so I think, and this, this is, this is where it's a challenging balance as a coach to express to someone like, Hey, even though this thing is really um, like shiny and sparkly and like, it sounds really great. Like six months down the road, this might be a really not helpful tool for you. Yeah. And so how do we approach that? Pretty much exactly like what you just said, mm. you know, I'm, I'm just like really honest, you know, uh, it's, it's like, Hey, this is a tool that could work. It, like this is a tool that does work. So a lot of my clients, it has worked for them. Yeah. It's worked for them cyclically for a really long time. Right. And, um, and so we have that conversation. We're like, Hey, you know what? Like tracking in this way, um, worked for you. And then at some point it became tedious or at some point something came up that like some sort of event came up that didn't fit. You know, that like it it just didn't work to track your macros on this vacation or when you were sick or, uh, you know, like something came up and it didn't make sense and you quote unquote fell off. But if we look back, if we look back from a values perspective, you probably made the right decision, right? By not By not tracking macros at that time, right? And so we just start to look at like, where does macro tracking like fit or not fit your value? Or I, I should say when, like what situations does it fit or not fit? And also like, um, when does it, when does it become unworkable? Like, or when does it become tedious or when it like, are you going to do this for the rest of your life? And if you're not, then, then what? And, um, and then we get into conversations like, um, you know, well, should I just track macros until I hit my goal? And then I can switch to like learning skills. Mm -hmm. and yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that's always a fun one. Cause it's like, well, like you mentioned, like skills have a ramp up, 
It's like anything. Yeah. Like you wouldn't, yeah. you didn't pick up a bike the first time. You're like, I ride a bike now. Yeah. And and similarly, I think also like in the macros equation, because this is also, I do tend to work with a lot of individuals that are like, this is the only thing I found that works for me. And I'm scared to let go of it. Oh, and there's, sure. a lot, there's a lot of fear around that. And I, I get yeah. it because I felt that fear. Yeah. And, and I felt that fear and went back to macros and then let go of them and went back to them. And, and when we go really deep into like what that fear is, that fear is the fear of like, I don't know how else to manage my eating if I'm not looking at a set of data. And this is where like, I talk a lot about balancing internal and external wisdom. And you talked a lot about that earlier is like understanding, like, how do I feel? What am I thinking? And like that internal external wisdom balance is not something that you're going to get from a my fitness pal blog post. Right. I um, I, I love I love the way you talk about internal versus external wisdom because it's not it's not like external is bad. It just needs to be like we we just need to have some perspective on it. Exactly. Exactly. Right. We we need to have some balance, right? Cuz normally people are coming in like 100% external and 0% inter- internal. Yeah. It's like what if we had some balance? What if we had some perspective? There's, and I go back to the word fear because I think there is so much fear. Oh, it's, it's legit. Yeah. Yeah. And there is so much fear around food because we've also been in, like in, inculcated. Is that, an, is that an English word or is that? That's a, a word. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's a word. Okay. Cause there's the, like, in, <laughs> so I, I speak a lot of Spanish in my daily life and, incul- yeah. incul- and sometimes when I don't know a word, I'll just say it in one language or another, but like with the accent of whatever language right. I yeah, 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 and yeah, like yeah. cross my fingers and hope it works. <laughs> um, but inculcate, we've been inculcated in society <laughs> to believe that like thinner is better. And in order to right. be thinner, we must practice this like discipline, willpower, learning to always say no. Yeah. And you said this really well in one of your posts. You're like, if you always say no to, to a treat, that's a rule. But if you always say yes to a treat, that's a rule too. But I think that <laughs> this is great. That this, like overcoming this fear is I think where like the basis of a lot of our work starts because people, a lot of the reason why someone may not work with someone like us is because they have that fear of letting go of this like really rigid structure that has somehow gotten them to where they are today. And it's really hard to look forward. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean to, to go from like a ton of structure to no structure feels like you feel completely unmoored. So I, I, the the way I coach people don't go from tracking macros to tracking nothing. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they go from tracking macros to tracking skills, right? We actually track like how often, like how many times this week did you practice, um, you know, pausing 10 minutes before snacking? How, how many times this week did you practice, uh, checking in about hunger versus stress? How often did you practice like noticing we're full and stopping? How often did, you know, like. Um, and we'll typically track like three, four skills at a time. Yeah. I love that. And so I'm, I'm not expecting them to, um, I'm not expecting them to get a, like, we we have a lot of conversations about that. I'm not expecting them to practice at every single meal, but, um, but we do probably want to practice every day, you you know, like, like we, we do want to get some pretty consistent practice in. And they've got something to track and they're like, they're not, um, they're not entirely left to, it's, it's, it's not the chaos. Like the concern is that it'll be just like chaos. Like I'll have no idea what to do. Exactly. Exactly. 
it's not it's not like it's not like that when you're like oh how many times this week did i put my fork down on my bites and notice when full and stop right like that's actually a lot to practice so it is and i think one of the one of also the big fears and this is one that i hear about a lot is the fear of like i'm not going to be able to stop myself like i can know that this oh, yeah. is this and and i want to like normalize this for anybody listening that that is like hearing us talk and is like all of these skills sound cool but like no no not me part of that is is like if you have spent a very long time restricting like you've spent a very long time telling yourself no you might end up wanting to tell yourself yes a lot more in the beginning. And this is where, like, I have a whole podcast on food habituation and, like, how powerful food habituation is. Because when we, let's say, like, your favorite, let's say you love ice cream. And right now, when you track macros, you only allow yourself to have, like, 50 grams of ice cream twice a week or whatever the hell portion size is, right? As soon as you take off that restriction of like only 50 grams, which was essentially a food rule, you may find yourself being like, well, I just want to eat however much ice cream I want. And I want whoever is listening to, to have faith that eventually you will not want to do that anymore. You will not want to do that anymore because it won't feel good. You'll notice that like the 15th bite is not as good as the first three bites. You'll also notice that like when you have access to eat whatever food you want, not like those foods aren't as exciting as they used to be. And so I just want to offer that like yeah. bit of faith for someone. All, all of that. Um, Cause it is, it is um, it's kind of like the pendulum has to, has to swing. Like, like it, like, like the pendulum swings get a little smaller, the more we practice. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard. Uh, yeah. It, it, it exactly. Like you said, it's, it's, it's not going to be instant. Like we've, we've got to figure out, we've got to figure out what does feel good and what does match our values. And, and part of that is like going a little too far the other way for a minute. And on top of that, it's having the self-compassion to know that you're not doing anything wrong. And that's, I think what often will like push someone be like, Oh my God, I fucked it up once. Like I clearly can't be trusted. And this is where like self-compassion and non-judgment maybe the most challenging part of this entire thing. Yeah, ab- absolutely. I like, I, I just want to hit on what you just said right there is so, so, so brilliant. Um, Cause it, it's so like, it's so huge because the, the first thing that happens is it's like, Oh, I ate way too much of that. Clearly I can't like that proves that I can't do mm-hmm. this. Right. And we have to really get that. Like, that's a normal, that's a totally normal part of this process that you will spend a minute in and then you'll move, move beyond. Right. It isn't rigid. Like the only reason you had that like extreme response was because it was as a reaction to the extreme restriction. It's a process. And like that, man, the first month is messy. The first month is really messy, you know, and it, it gets a little messy over time, but like, I, I just want people to know that the first it's okay. It's okay. The self-compassion piece. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys message me if you think that we need to have Josh back on, let me know. <laughs> because I think there's there's like another layer to this that it's like, we also have a lot of fear around what's going to happen to my body. Yeah. And that that yeah. is, it's not just like, oh my gosh, I overate. It's, oh my gosh, I overate. And that's going to make me gain weight. And gaining weight is the worst thing that could happen to me because gaining weight is going to cause all these terrible things to happen. And my life is going to fall apart and blah, 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 blah. And I yeah. think- 
not just from experience as a coach, but from experience as someone who as genuinely believed this. Like I yeah. genuinely believed that like gaining weight and not being able to see my abs was going to like fuck up my life. Yeah. And I, I want to assure you that like one, your if you continue practicing these skills, it will balance out, like Josh said, the pendulum effect, but also like your life is not necessarily going to get worse because you lose or because your body changes and your body is actually going to change for the rest of your fucking life. Like whether you like it or not. Right. And it, your life will only get worse when your body changes. If you let that happen in through the, the actions that you take towards yourself and others. Man, I like, like, I, I still want to ask you about how, 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 how you coach that. Like, I'm, I'm really curious yeah. in, in how you do that. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to show. Um, the, w- the one thing that I, I that I want to throw in about that is, is that like, that's on, on one hand, there's like, if I actually eat when I'm hungry and stop when I'm full and can distinguish hunger from stress, that's not going to really be a problem. Right. 100%. Um, that's a that's a huge, that's a ginormous project <laughs> with multiple skills. But like that that sh- that helps with some of the concern. Like, okay, if that's the direction I'm going, like that'll probably be fine. And the other part is just like you said, which is um our bodies changing isn't the end of the world. I I think that's one of the one of the coolest things that happens when people start digging into their values around eating is they start digging into their values around everything. And they start distinguishing like what's actually important to me in life. <laughs> it's funny. I keep coming back to con- uh, connection, but it comes up so, so, so often. It's, it's you know, a like, super common value. Yeah. Right. So, I yeah. Mean, and I mean, we're, we're, we're like our, we're animal, like we are community animals. Like we want yeah. And so people get really clear, like, like, oh, the, the, here are these other things that matter to me. And like my eating and my body is a thing that matters to me. But it's like, but I've been treating it like it's the only thing when clearly it isn't. Mm-hmm. And and now I've got a little bit better perspective on, oh, there's my family and friends and my career and maybe this like community organization I volunteer. Like, like there are other things in your life that matter a lot and and it can just really help to put put our bodies in perspective. I completely agree. And one of the things that I will say and that, I I should say more is that one of the best ways to improve your relationship with food in your body is to do more shit outside of food in your body that like lights you up. One of the things that it has been so pivotal for me in improving my relationship with food in my body is spending more time with my dog. Like, yeah, that is, it gives you somewhere else to put that mental energy and put it into something that like genuinely fills you up. Yeah. So if you're someone that's like, I feel like all I do is think about food in my body. A lot of that is because we are not choosing to think about other things. Yeah. Like we're not putting our energy there and it's scary. Like I just got back yeah. into comedy improv classes and like my first comedy, I was like, Oh my God, everybody's looking at, but it's like the fucking funnest thing ever. It's so fun. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And nobody cares what you look like. Nobody cares right. what you ate or what you're going to eat late. Like nobody cares. Again, it, like there's a lot of fear that we have to get over to get there. Well, and that, and that just brings up like, what are all the things that you're waiting to do? What are all the things that you're like, I'm going to do that after I lose weight? Yeah. Or when my body looks perfect? Yeah. How how much power it gives us to just do those things now? 100%. Right. Yeah. Like, and it's even, I mean, it's even things like, I just bought new bikinis in 
a larger size than the last time I bought bikinis. And there was that moment where I was like, how do I feel about this? And I was like, I don't fucking care. These bikinis look great on me. It doesn't actually matter. They fit. Yeah. But we can also yeah. go down the spiral of like, oh my God, the size, like I can't believe I'm doing What does it, it mean? Exactly. And that, and, and like that has a domino effect into our eating habits. So I, anyways, I want to ask you before we wrap up here, because <laughs> it is evening in Barcelona. So and I actually, I have to, I have to go be social and connect yeah, yeah, yeah. with people. I want to ask you, what is, what is something that you wish people knew about nutrition that you don't think is being talked about enough? I, I think the biggest thing that I want people to know is just that, and it, it seems silly after the conversation we just had. Um, I just want people to know that there's not, there's an alternative to like rigid dieting and, and, you know, precisely tracking. Yeah. I wish I could, I wish I could like scream that from the rooftops. Um, outside of that, probably like, like in our, like we're talking about like, uh, like, like in our little world, I guess I just want people to know that, um, that skills are uh, cumulative, that you don't need to have perfect practice to get better. You know, like, like I was saying before, you can, you can practice skill, like noticing one full and stopping once a day and get better at it. Yeah. Right. Like you don't have to practice it at every meal. And, um, and so like all practice is cumulative. If you practice, you'll get better. I, I should say, if you practice and reflect, you'll get better. Like if, if you reflect on your practice, um, maybe get coaching if you need it. But, um, but the cycle of like practice and reflection, you can get better at all of these things. It might take a minute, but you, you actually can't get better at all of these things. Like you're, it, um, the, way, the ways that we've been taught to relate to eating have been like so extremely like, like, like so, so rigid and so like programmed into us. It can, it can feel like we're just a certain way, but all of this is learned. I feel like we can like tie this up in a, but that was perfect because it, it, I'm not even going to say anything because that was perfect. Um, Josh, where can people find you and follow you? Um, they can find me at, uh, um, oh, at my, Insta my Instagram, uh, Joshua Hillis. Um, you can find me at uh, GMB Eating Skills, GMB Fitness um, or an eating skills program there. I guess you can find me at Amazon also. Um, and joshhillis.com. What do you sell on Amazon? Oh, I've, I've, I've got, I've got two books. I would recommend if, if you liked this conversation, I would recommend the second one. The okay. second one is, is lean and strong eating skills, psychology and eating skills, psychology and workouts. Yeah. And, um, uh, I would recommend that one. My first book, um, is much more like flexible dieting. Mm. Um, so I would recommend the second one, which is everything we talked about today. Uh, cause I learned and I changed. I mean, really, that is all we can hope to do as humans is like learn and change. And I think it's also really, really cool when we can own the fact that like I've learned and I've changed and I was that person and that's okay. And I am this person and that's also okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, was hard once upon a time because sometimes my second book came out, people are like, this is kind of the opposite of your first book. Yeah. And you're like, look, if, if, if we are not growing and like, I like to think that the day that I stop learning and growing and changing is like the day that I'm probably just going to like wilt away and die. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, which the, 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 the funny thing about writing a book, both books, when, when I wrote them is I was like, that's it. That's like all I've got to offer. Like, what do I do now? And then, you know, a couple of years later, I'm like, I've learned so much more. Yeah. And I'm sure there's a third book in there somewhere. 
there there has to be there's yeah. there's gonna have to be because exactly like you said like like i'm i'm learning i've learned so much more even since the last one i hope i hope to forever amazing well josh i really really appreciate you taking the time and this is so much fun thanks know, for having this me great. this is great I, I think we're gonna have to have more conversations like these we are we totally are thank you so much for being here thank you so much for listening having josh on was so cool. I feel like we could talk. This is the, the beauty of internet friends. We've never met before. And now we're like, oh my gosh, we should be friends. Anyways, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure and follow the Bite Size Nutrition podcast. If you enjoy it, please leave a rating or a review. If you didn't enjoy it, then you probably aren't going to want to follow and you're probably not going to want to leave a review. If you are here through one of Josh's channels, I would love it if you come over and say hi to me. Um, follow me over on Instagram. Uh, you'll see Josh and I have similar approaches and maybe you'll pick up something new. Um, and if you are a regular listener, I love you. Thank you for being here. I'll see you again next week.